When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Mail checks, invoices, documents, and everything you need to keep your business running. Get rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS. And with the mobile app, you can take care of mailing on the go. Make the same no-brainer decisions as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up at Stamps.com with code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Warning! This episode contains foul language, discussions of suicide, apocalyptic events, murder, COVID, and has sound effects that may be jarring. podcast for all things strange and unusual, spooky and scary, and sometimes even fictional. Today is the official start to our most beloved time of year, and we thought it would be fitting to bring back a fan favy. This week, in honor of my favorite pastime, in honor of Stephen King, in honor of Shirley Jackson, in honor of Ray Bradbury, and Alvin Schwartz, and R.L. Stein. This episode is dedicated to all aspiring horror fiction writers. Welcome to another Scary Stories to Tell Joe in the Dark. My name is Ashley, and today I'm sitting by candlelight in our creepy apartment with my fiancé and all-time favorite guest, Joseph Oaks. Good evening, <laughs> boils and ghouls. <laughs> I do kind of feel like a crib keeper. Every time I introduce a story, I'm like, this sickening tale. Yeah, I, <laughs> I wish I was clever enough. I don't think I'm quippy You're enough. You're quippy enough. You think? Yep. All right, well, yep. we're going to stop hey. recording, and I'm going to go write new intros to everything. There it is. Let's Hold on. Don't, don't stop don't, until it's perfect. Don't go anywhere, kids. Hi, Joe. Hey, everybody. How you doing? <laughs> uh, I know it seems a little weird to start our October without Lauren. But she's dead. She's dead. Undead. No. <laughs> Undead. So it's um, not entirely sad. Yeah. So it's um, not super horrific to make that joke. We have actually got so many great episodes for you this month. We're recording most of them in person with guests. So Lauren and I are both going to be doing some traveling across LA. And this happens to be the week she's got to miss. Womp, womp, womp. <laughs> but like I said, we've got a fan favy on board. We Who? did this last year. Well, Who? you. What? You fan favy. Also, the topic at hand. We did this last year for the very first time where I read short horror fiction stories. I'll work my magic with them. I'll add a little music. I'll add a couple sounds and hopefully uh, get you guys in the mood for this Halloween season. Yeah, make all your little b-holes go wah, 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 wah. That's what happens to me when I get scared. <laughs> you know that's what happens to me when I get scared. It is. Making the mood even spookier is the cat largely shrouded in darkness, Ooh. occasionally creaking the wicker basket it's laying in. Ooh, so the mood is set. <laughs> the mood's set, guys. Wish you were here. 
Joe, before we get started, would you mind helping me say hello to some new patrons hello, of the show? Hello, new patrons. Hello, new oh, patrons. Oh, wait, specific new patrons? Mm-hmm, yeah, Let's I'm going to name them. some names. Hello and welcome to Katie Kidd, Leo Chavez, Crystal Farringer, Athena Myers, Michael Brightman, Michelle Sabia, and welcome back to Justine Binks. You are all so cool to donate to our show, and we thank you so, 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 so much. You are our most esteemed guests, and that's why we will eat you last. Uh, okay. I do love this creepy theme that mm-hmm. we've got going. You notice how I've got it going, too? Yes, and I'm so into it, and I'm so proud of you. I just wanted to say that before we Thank you. I, I, well, it's it's an interesting shift for me, you know? You might think, like, he's, he's, he's pretty worked up in general, but, yeah. but I'm going to... I'm going to go like the Vincent Price route. I'm going to make it like spooky and not just like rage. Yeah. yeah. Well, because like you're a really ragey guy, but also I know you're a huge dad. A big softy. Yeah. I just want things to jokes. be better, you guys. I'm just tired. <laughs> You've had a long day. If you want to donate your pocket change to our show to ensure that it keeps going, head over to www.patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. If you donate to our show, you'll get bonus episodes, shoutouts, newsletters, and even the inside scoop. Like, for example, all of our patrons got early access to a video laying out what all of our October episodes and guests are going to be. So, like, you get inside info to the pod if you donate to the Patreon. It's You're officially cool. an insider at that point. Exactly. And when, when people ask you what you do, you can say, I'm an industry insider. I'm an industry and insider. you can just leave it at that. I've got my hands in a couple... Couple things. Industry couple insider things. is like the entertainment industry equivalent of I'm um, in imports and exports. Oh, <laughs> that you, you meant producers. I mean? So yeah. many people are like, oh, I produce this. It's like, what'd you do? Also, for anyone listening today, October 1st, make sure you join us this evening at 6 p.m. Pacific time. So that's 6 p.m. California time because. Lauren and I are going to be hopping onto the Clubhouse app. It's a free app to talk about the documentary series Hellier and also to talk to you guys one-on-one about whatever you want. So it should be a lot of fun. Okay. Are you ready? Jisk. Jisk. <laughs> Let's get into it. Okay. First of all, I wanted to say that finding stories for this year's episode uh, as opposed to last year's episode was actually much harder. And there are two reasons for that. One... Three different people who I reached out to to see if I could feature their work said that they couldn't give me permission because their story was being optioned by a studio or was going to be included in an upcoming book. And that doesn't upset me at all. I think that's the freaking coolest. And I just wanted to shout a big congratulations to all young artists and writers out there who are lucky enough to have these opportunities. I fucking love knowing that movie studios are looking places like No Sleep and Creepypasta to get original content because that's great news for future horror movies, which means that's great news for this girl right here. But bad news for but bad the news podcast. for the pod. Womp, and at womp, the end womp. of the day, that's really all that matters. The pod? Yep. Mm. Nothing else. Not family. Not God. Not friends. Just, Definitely not God. Just, pod, just, <laughs> just podcasting. Pod. <laughs> that's all that matters. Uh, and two, and you may get a taste of this today, it's interesting to see how the world around us affects art. And in this case, almost every short fiction story I read was apocalyptic. Disease, disaster, world ending. But I tried to get a nice mix of things for you guys today. But I just think that's kind of interesting. Um, just based on where we, I mean, you know, art art is a mirror, right? Yeah. You can look back in time and really see it. But like to be able to see it like in the now is, is kind of fascinating. 
Agreed. I have four delicious horror stories for mm. you, Joe. Are you feeling cozy? Are you feeling creepy? Brains. I'm going to start with a banger today. Bang it out. With this incredibly timely tale. Bang it out. This story is by an author named Matthew Gall, and if you enjoy it, I implore you to do as I did and go to Amazon.com and order his book. It's called Insomniac, Bite-Sized Scary Stories. It's a horror-themed anthology with so many different horrors to offer. There's sci-fi horror, slice-of-life horror, and like the story I'm going to read today, social commentary horror. And if he was a writer on The Simpsons for their annual Treehouse of Horror episode, his name would be Mike Gall Bladder. I love it. Please give every single author their a own Simpsons. Sim- their own Simpsons <laughs> yes. Treehouse of Horror name. I can do that. Okay. Mike Gallbladder. I'm sorry, Matthew Gallbladder. Matthew, excuse me. I'm sorry, Matthew. Matthew Gallbladder. Okay. Let's hear it. This story is called Fake News, and I hope you like it as much as I did. It's my body, my freedom, and my choice to have my family over for Christmas. We've celebrated every holiday together this year, despite people complaining to us. You're gonna get people sick, so what? I'm healthy and it's basically just the flu. All this fake news makes my blood boil. Shutting down the country over a virus? What do scientists know anyway? They're still insisting on climate change and it snowed just last night. We did everything together. I drove into town to celebrate my mom's birthday. She just turned 58 a few months ago, but she doesn't feel at risk at all. We all gathered at my brother's for the 4th of July, sharing cigars and launching fireworks from our backyard. Thanksgiving, I got angry. I was so sick of these restrictions. People telling me what to do, how to wear my mask, where I can and cannot go. People laughed at me when I told them my entire family was coming over for Thanksgiving. They called me stupid, uneducated, selfish. Any of those buzzwords people use nowadays to make you stop thinking for yourself. They were all wrong. In fact, they spent the night in my guest rooms. I hadn't slowed rent collection for my tenants in the building I owned, so I spared no expense upgrading to a nicer home this year, full of extra rooms and private bathrooms. I mean, Christmas was easy to plan for. After all, my family was still over here from Thanksgiving. I set out plates for everyone gathered around the table. They were hard to lift, but I got everyone seated comfortably. I asked if anyone would like to say grace, and they all just look at me with a blank stare. The ham I made was great, but nobody seemed into it. In fact, I'm wondering if I should turn the heat up. Everybody feels so cold lately. They all got a little sick before, but once they stopped coughing, I knew they had recovered just fine, as I predicted. This little virus wasn't that big a deal, it just made everyone kind of quiet. Plus, they stopped cleaning up, so... Well, they smell a little. I picked everyone up and I set them around the couch, giving Dad the big recliner he likes. My mom was slouched over, but I think she just had a little too much wine with dinner. That might be my fault. I was practically pouring it into her. My brother and sister share the futon, each leaning on the other. They really need to get outside more. They both look so pale. The news comes on, displaying that fake death toll they keep rattling about. I laugh with my family, knowing it was exaggerated. After all, my family got sick for a little, but they all pulled through. It really wasn't that bad. The media has a bias. They tend to exaggerate these things. Merry Christmas, I tell my family. And for a second, I almost hear them whisper it back. Kid, your parents are dead.
Yikes. Yikes. Spikes. Jesus Christ, Matthew. But I love the fact that he's still observing Christmas. I do love that because... Because you can't stop Christmas. No. No one can stop Christmas Uh -uh. except maybe Santa. Not coronavirus. Not Joe Biden. Nobody can stop Christmas. Definitely not Joe Biden. Definitely not Joe Biden. Do you think Santa could stop Christmas, technically? That would be interesting. I don't think so. I don't think he could. Is this not about the presents? Yeah, I think we've watched the train run out of the station before. Where somebody has, you know, led a bunch of people astray and then other people have made that first guy be like, you have to take it back and he takes it back. But then all of his followers are like, nah, he doesn't mean it. <laughs> so I, I don't think that even Santa, I think Santa could show up and be like, Christmas is canceled. And we'd be like, get out of here, Fuck fat you. ass. <laughs> Fuck off, fatty. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, I guess you're right. Matthew, that story was quite disturbing. Chilling. I do like that idea. That's a very um that's something that that you can only do with like a written story. You couldn't make that into a movie because you would see what he was doing with the right. bodies. You would see that they were the family was actually dead in the house. But yeah, when you read it, like especially as you're reading it for the first time and you realize that his whole family has died and he's just keeping the bodies. <laughs> Yeah, what was probably, I don't know, a third or half of the way through, I was like, okay, I I, I see what's going on here. And then I was like, well, hold, wait a second. (laughs) I was also smelly and hunched over for a lot of this last year and a half. That's true, yeah. And I'm still here, I think. I think. I think I'm alive. Dot, dot, dot. Although, are any of us alive? Are any of us really alive? This is alive? a spiral. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, no. Right, you should Calm probably down, just go to Joey. the next story. <laughs> Thank you so much, Matthew, for allowing us to read your story. Again, everyone go to Amazon, buy his book, um, Insomniac, Bite Size, Scary Stories. It's fantastic. Great okay. job, Matthew Gallbladder. This next story is written by an author whose Reddit username I saw time and time again in the subs that I was reading from. Reddit user JTB685. Can't, can't Treehouse of Horror that. Well... Maybe if you think about it. With J- JTB666? Uh, yes, JTB666, but it's actually 685. Don't forget that. They've actually got a sub you can follow. It's at www.reddit.com slash r slash JTB685, where they post all of their stories, horror, thriller, historical comedy. There's a great mix, and I encourage you to check out more of their stuff because I love pretty much every one of them. So, But you know, you know I'm not going to pass up a good alien story. So without further ado, (laughs) this story is called 50,000. Without further ado, I'm going to (laughs) do. Do it. Everyone remembers where they were and what they were doing when the aliens made contact. I was cruising down Times Square. It was surreal. One minute I'm singing along with the radio, wrist draped over the wheel. The next, this big spaceship swallows up half the sky. I slammed the brakes and stuck my head out the window. The damn thing stretched from Hudson all the way to Greenpoint. The billboards all went dark. Then words flashed across the screens. Greetings, humans. We come in peace. Earth is on the brink of destruction. We can foresee the imminent explosion of your closest star and are offering transportation to another planet suitable for habitation. Unfortunately, we can only transport 50,000 of you. Please determine the individuals best suited for the task of colonizing your new home and continuing the human race. We will return on June 9th, 10 a.m. Eastern Time, to collect them from Governor's Island, New York. 
I thought it was a prank at first, or maybe a clever marketing campaign for a film. What I couldn't have known was that same message had just popped up on every single smartphone, computer monitor, and television screen across the globe. You can probably guess what happened next. People swarmed Governor's Island, probably thinking getting there first would book them a spot. The president declared a state of emergency, then the National Guard rolled in. Things got pretty hairy. I figured I hadn't much chance of getting picked. I was just an old New York cabbie after all. So I headed east, met a few like-minded individuals, and we started this little commune on an abandoned farm. It was peaceful, serene. We had cookouts every night and sing-alongs for the kids. Soon after, we heard the U.S. closed its borders and that the rest of the world wasn't happy with America deciding who got saved. The nukes started flying, then the grid went down. It really started feeling like the end days, but we were self-sustaining, so we sort of just rolled with it. June 9th came and went, and we figured, oh well, that's that, nothing to do now except wait. But then one afternoon, a soldier staggered onto the farm wearing a blood-soaked uniform and collapsed. We brought him inside and bandaged him up. We asked if he'd been hurt by someone trying to break through the checkpoint. He said no. He said the aliens had wiped out his squadron. He was the only one who made it out alive. We were confused. He sat up and laid it all out for us. Turns out the aliens had returned, as promised, but not for a rescue. They'd invaded. And since Earth's militaries had been too busy fighting each other, there'd been no way to mount any kind of meaningful resistance. The truth is, Earth was never in danger. At least not from the sun exploding. The aliens had just found a clever way to defeat us without firing a single shot. Outstanding. Hubba-boy. Hubba-boy. Every man for himself, huh? Yeah, I don't mean to get all uh, history man over here, but that's uh, pretty much how Alexander the Great conquered Greece. Oh, really? Yeah, because Greece was, you know, obviously the greatest empire that the world had seen to that point. Yeah. But Mm -hmm. Greece wasn't a nation. Greece was a collection of various city-states that all at best distrusted and at worst hated each other. Uh-huh. So there was a giant civil war between Sparta and Athens where all their adal- allies teamed up and Greece essentially destroyed itself in this civil war. And then a couple of years later, Alexander the Great came down from Macedonia and conquered Greece because yeah, it was so was like, severely weakened. This. Yep. <laughs> uh, I'm not saying that that's where the story came from, but, you know, that is a... Uh, that Divide is, and conquer. It's, it's, it is a legitimate military tactic. Yeah. Yeah. It'd be, yeah I mean, that's, that, would, that is something that an elevated species would do. We're, we're a house of cards as it is. And any, any halfway intelligent species would know, hey, just, just say one thing to the planet and watch them destroy themselves and then we can just show up and take it. Yeah. yeah. It wouldn't be hard. Nope. Great story. Fantastic story. Thank you so much, JTB685. JTB685, also known as JTB666. Thank you so much. (laughs) So when it comes to alien invasion uh, scenarios, like let's just take like film versions because there's so many. Which one's your favorite to watch in a movie? Which one do you think would actually happen? Ooh, good question. 
Favorite to watch in a movie is Independence Day. Oh, you like it when they come down and just start fucking blowing shit up? Well, I mean, yes, Independence Day gets me in a very special spot. I saw Independence Day in theaters opening sure. opening night the summer I turned eleven. Yeah, Big it's, Willie style was Big in Big Willie it, style, which is... just just like really <laughs> cresting the meal. hill of his movie stardom. Like yeah. this is the jumping off point for for Big Willie style for sure. Um, and it's, uh, it's something that I reserve to watch one day a year. Yeah. So it's special in that regard. But what's the most likely? Yeah. What what, what do you think is the most likely? And then I'll see if we're on the same page. I guess, I mean, you know, it would completely depend on their intentions, but I'm going to go most alien invasion movies, their intentions are bad. So I'm going to just go like ill intent. Like they're coming here with I ill intent. I think that's the assumption. Yeah. Because Close Encounters isn't an invasion movie. No, no. That's a contact movie. Yeah. So an invasion movie. Yeah. I would say uh, probably something like Invasion of the Body Snatchers. So in, slash, not, not to say that the second movie is as good, but same style, The Faculty. Faculty, Coming yeah. in the back door. Yeah, exactly. Small town and, America going to assimilate. Mm-hmm. And well, I don't think that it would be, you know, all these people that are like the reptilians and like the elite. I don't think that they would infiltrate the elite. I think they would infiltrate a small school in Ohio or, you know, I think that they would start small and then get because once they're once they've got enough people, I mean, we're done. If you start too high, there's a chance that you're going to get caught. You think so? Oh, yeah. I also think if you start too low that there's a really good chance that you don't actually well, get as far as you low, want. Well, if you start too low, it could be like, let's just take those two movies, Faculty and Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Spoilers, I guess, but also get it together. The Faculty is the newer of the two and it's <laughs> and it came way out more when than I was like 14. Old. Yeah. So, yeah, it could go either way. Like it could go the faculty route where you start small and boom, you get defeated by you a bunch of fucking into, teenagers. You run into Josh Hartnett. And Elijah Wood. Watch out. Tough. Tough to beat. But it could also go the invasion of the body snatchers route where, I mean, that shit was, you can't Inevitable. escape that. Yeah. Inevitable. Inevitable. I also really love... Um, I really love Signs. I mean, I the last adore the last that ten movie. minutes of Signs are a little problematic, yeah, but just because that movie doesn't stick the landing doesn't mean that that uh, I isn't mean isn't one of the best alien movies of all time. I still have a fucking blast watching yeah. that movie, even knowing what's coming, even knowing I don't love it. It's still just some scenes in that are so spooky. I agree. This next story has everything: mystery phone calls, <laughs> Final Destination style scares. I'm obsessed with it. Um, This was the only story I took from Creepypasta this year, and the writing struck me immediately. And it's no surprise because the author of this story is Ashley Rose Wellman. Ashley knows dead men. (laughs) Yeah, okay. Ashley Knows Deadman is a Los Angeles playwright and screenwriter. You can follow her on Instagram at Ashley Rose Wellman. And you can check out her website, AshleyRoseWellman.com, to see more of her impressive resume. And I'll also tag her on Instagram so that you can get a handle on that handle. Oh! Seriously, though, start following this girl. I really think she's going places, and you're going to see her name uh, in the credits of And that's a great first name. Let's be honest. Right? She deserves the world. This story is called Distorted Warning Signals. Uh Uh-oh. 
When I got the first one, I was literally seconds away from stepping onto the plane when a call from unknown blared on my cell phone. It was a ringtone I hadn't heard before, one I was pretty sure hadn't come with the phone. Normally, I wouldn't have stopped to answer it, but I was expecting a call about a job I had interviewed for the previous week. I took a deep breath in, and I accepted the call. Hello? Don't get on the plane. A woman's voice, garbled and strange, as if her vocal cords had been shredded, and she was trying desperately to choke out speech. Despite the unnerving, fractured quality of her voice, her tone was insistent and eerily calm. Then the call ended. I froze. I had always had a slight phobia of air travel, and something about this call just... Listen, there's no way I was about to get on a seven-hour flight now. I turned around and I headed toward the food court. I would just get another flight later in the afternoon, I figured. I watched from the airport Starbucks three hours later as every TV in the terminal lit up with the crash footage of the plane I should have been on. No survivors. Not a single one. I tried to trace the call, so did the police, but there was nothing to trace. There was no evidence my phone had ever received a call around that time. They analyzed phone records, incoming and outgoing communication to my phone. Nothing. I wasn't making it up. I couldn't have been. That wasn't the only call. Throughout the years, they were few and far between, but always right, and I always listened. Don't go on the blind date tonight. Five months later, my would-be date was convicted of killing four women, all with my hair color and build. They found them in a shallow grave about 250 feet from the diner he offered to take me to. Do not drive to the concert tonight. 18-wheeler lost control and plowed into a line of cars. Every driver crushed. Every driver killed. In the stretch of freeway, I would have been driving down. No matter if I got a new phone, if I moved across the country, the calls would still come. I could almost feel the presence of whatever it was, whatever it is, watching over me. I imagined being at the bottom of a freezing ocean, still strapped to my coach section plane seat, or being in that mass grave across from the diner, or watching an 18-wheeler skidding toward my car knowing death was imminent, and I'd get this tightness in my chest, and I'd think about how thin that line was, how close I'd gotten. If I hadn't had a job interview I was waiting to hear back from, I'd have never listened to that call, and that would be it for me. It always felt like something was coming for me, but there was always this fractured, warped voice with these calls that never seemed to exist after I heard them. Self-destructing warning signals rotting away before my eyes, and I was alive. I had a bad feeling about this cruise. I had planned it as a girl's week out with some of my friends from college. I was looking forward to a week in the tropics in the dead of winter, but part of me could almost sense that call was coming. Maybe I'd watched Titanic one too many times, but there was a little nagging fear right from the start. I hoped it would be fine, but I knew that if something was going to happen, I'd get the call. I'd know. Now, a week before I'm set to go on the cruise, after stepping into my apartment, after returning from dinner with a friend, I notice my cell has a message from Unknown. They've never had to leave a message before. I didn't check it all night. Damn it! I really wanted to go on that cruise, too. Oh well. Not worth whatever horrific fate awaited me in that cold, dark ocean. 
I click play message and I feel my stomach drop as I listen to the voice sounding horrifically distorted, as if it emanates from a throat slashed to ribbons, crackling with more urgency than ever before. I look around my apartment as the voice on the phone repeats the same phrase over and over again. Don't come home after dinner tonight. Gadzooks. That is a classic scary story to tell in the dark. That fucking rules. That's great. It really was. That like f- that, that that followed a tried and true recipe, but was still its own thing the whole way through. Yeah. Yeah, it was really good. And gave me those Final Destination vibes, baby. Serious. I was gonna say, bitch, you're supposed to die. <laughs> yeah. I got you bad news for you. This is not gonna stop. Imagine if you uh, like wanted to get a new phone or change providers and they were like, oh, we have to change your number. You'd be like, you can't change my number. You can't change my number. I get sir. calls from the ether that keep me alive. You'd be like, okay, from sir. From the ether. Okay, Why don't you just hang sir, out there for a second? I'm just going to make a quick my... phone call. <laughs> let me just look at the notes I have on your account. Yes, it does say you're going to be a handful. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I... Love the way she writes. I, I like could, I was always really good at like, you know, reading a story in class. If we had to like read sections of a story, it was never like, and then sure. like I put a little, oomph, yeah. I, t- I put what I could into it. Put a little it. performance into it. Yeah. But sometimes stories are hard to read out loud. This one was not hard to read out loud. It was very easy to understand. Find the rhythm. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yep. And, and I felt that like every time I was reading her work it's really great writing ashley and i'm just really excited for you and i can't wait to see your first movie ashley, or play. ashley knows dead men ashley knows dead men you did it you did it girl yeah thank you so much for letting us read your story that was thoroughly creepy and i loved it, it that was really good so that like i said classic scary stories to tell in the dark which scary stories to tell in the dark did you always love growing up and for those of you who are wondering, I'm talking about the Alvin Schwartz. Is gonna, it Alvin Schwartz? I'm going to be honest with you. It's been so long, I can't really remember them. You could mention 10, and I would probably remember eight or nine of them. But like personal recall off the top of my head, I think those days are gone, sweetie. Oh, okay. Well, let's see if I can remind you of some. Yeah, please. I remember the girl with the spiders in her face. That was terrifying. This girl with the spiders in her face. Yep. It's called the spider bite. Very scary. Do you yep. remember Harold? Yeah, Harold was the, the scarecrow, scarecrow, right? Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I knew I would awaken something. Fuck, I hate you. that one. I, you know what? I, I remember being like eight or nine yeah. and coming up to and having making my way through that book. We had that book at our school library, by yeah, the way, yeah. all three of them. And I took it out, you know, if it was available. And I, after reading through the book once or twice, I remember getting to the Harold story and being like, I'm going to skip it this time. <laughs> I'm not going to read that one this time. Not going to do that. That one's not fun. (laughs) The other ones are fun. That one's not fun. That one's real. Um, I do you remember the window viper? Yes. I loved the window viper. I think that's such a funny story. Yeah, not a scary one. Not a a scary one, one, but I liked it. I'm the window viper. I'm the window viper. I'm the viper. I'm coming for you. What that's, about- a, that's a really great way to scare children and also insult uh, Albanian people. Yeah, yeah, they weren't super sensitive. Yeah, to- if you are from from the <laughs> from the Balkans, that that is an, that is a very offensive story. Yeah, you're right. What about the one? Do you remember the one about the hide and seek game? 
Nah, the, the family. It's very like ready or not, where it's like it's the wedding night and they're playing. The whole family is playing hide and seek in the house, nope. and the bride um, goes into the attic and she decides to hide in a trunk. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and um, she ends up and getting she wins. stuck in there. Yeah, and she wins. And she wins that game of hide and seek because no one ever found her. No one her. ever found her. Uh, it was like 50 to 100 years See, later. That's they found that kind her. of sunny side up positive outlook. I really need to inject more into my life. Yes. Oh, uh, uh, a dead bride to be in a trunk? <laughs> no, the hide and seek winner. <laughs> that's it. Okay, I think I'm getting the hang of this whole positivity thing. Yeah. You're doing so well. All right, I'm going to do it. Okay, for this final story, I'm going to be leaning into my natural dialect, and you can make fun of me all you want. No, it ju- but I am. And but I will. <laughs> it just kind of fits perfectly with the writing style and the character. Just a little, just a, just a touch of country? Just a touch of country. This beautifully written and terrifyingly sad story is called The Meteor Generation, and it was written by Heather Flowers. Heather Flowers? Heather Flowers. Heather Flowers on your grave. <laughs> Done. That had a real, like, orange you glad I didn't say banana feel to it. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Which welcome. is my favorite joke. You're so. welcome. Four for four. Continue. <laughs> All right. The meteor generation. Mama tells me I'm part of the last people they're ever going to make. She says I'm special, says I'm sweet and kind, and I want to prove her right. I want to be warm enough for the both of us. Mama doesn't let me watch TV anymore. I asked her if I was grounded, and she said no. Sometimes when she thinks I'm out playing, she turns it on, and she cries and cries. I don't know what they talk about on there, but I cry too, just to be safe. Mama told me last summer that I didn't have to go to school anymore, and I asked her why, and she said they stopped making schools. I asked her what about the one we already got, and she told me that one got washed away in a flood. Nobody was inside, but they stopped making that kind of building, so I got to stay home and play video games instead. I don't remember it flooding. Last week, they stopped making power plants, too, so I couldn't play video games anymore, either. Today, Mama took me out to the park. She pushed me on the swing set some and then sat me down on a hill and pointed to something at the sky. She asked me if I knew what it was, and then she told me it's a meteor. I said it looked like a little baby moon, and she held me real tight, and she nodded. She said it's even bigger than the moon, but it's smaller because it's far away. I told her I thought it was getting bigger, and she told me it was. When we left the park, it was bigger than the moon. When we got home, she made me my favorite dinner, and she told me I could have as much ice cream as I wanted. I asked her why she wasn't eating nothing, and she told me she wasn't hungry, and I could eat enough for both of us. After dinner, Mama took out her old photo albums. We looked at all the pictures of Mama when she was young, of Papa before they stopped making him, of me when I was a baby. She did some crying, and she held me close. She told me I was an angel, and that made her so happy she could cry. She said, thank you for being my perfect little boy. I said I didn't understand, and she told me that was okay. Then it was bedtime, and I asked Mama if I could sleep next to her tonight, and she said, of course. She cuddled me real tight, and she told me everything was going to be okay. I asked her why she kept saying that. She just kept repeating herself. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. Everything's going to be okay. That is so beautiful and so sad. I don't know what to say or do. (laughs) 
just I just ruined my night. I'm so sorry. I it's, thought that, that it's be, it's beautiful. I thought that story was beautiful, it's and fantastic. I I loved the idea of writing an apocalyptic story from the point of view of a small child, yeah. because yeah. you have to find context clues as to what's going on. Because of course, it seems like it seems like the world's been in pandemonium long before the meteor actually strikes but like any good parent this kid didn't have a clue like they were living life as normally as possible all the way up till the very end because you don't tell your kids like oh hey by the way like oh you don't go to school anymore because there's a meteor heading for earth it's gonna gonna kill kill everyone in four months and there's no point in fucking going to school anymore you just gotta live every day like it's normal and then the night of hold them Uh, it's just that's just so man Great story. Really so great so story. It, in in the in the prettiest way possible, so sad. So sad. Uh yeah, and that's you know, that that kind of rationale, you know, um a lot of people do that if they've been diagnosed with a terminal illness too. They keep it to oh, them yeah. they keep it to themselves, not just because they don't want to burden other people with mm-hmm. it, but because they don't want people to start treating them differently. They yeah. when when the writing is on the wall, they just want to preserve that normalcy for as long as they can. Yeah, they just want it to be the same as same as possible. Yeah, they just want to be treated like John, not like a mm-hmm. sick person. Yeah. <sighs> I'm sorry, Joey. Well, I'm gonna. You've go, had a long day. Well, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go fill so the bathtub bad. with lukewarm water and turn the lights out and just lay in the dark in Heather, a room temperature bath. <laughs> Heather Flowers, that that story is really beautiful. Thank so you so pretty, much, Heather. For Heather Flowers us, on your grave. Heather Flowers on your grave for letting us tell that story. That was um. It was really great. And I, I'm sorry, there's a lot of stuff coming to my head right now because I'm literally like, I thought for a moment about how scary it would be to get that announcement that like in four months, I would, I would almost want them to say like tomorrow. So you don't f- just destroy yourself over, yeah. well, I, I mean. Well, because the world's going to go crazy too. I was going to say. It's not just going to be like, oh, we're all going to live in harmony no. until no. it happens. No. It's going to be pandemonium. Aside, aside from the, aside from all the people who die from various clashes, there's also probably, there would also be a lot of people who would probably take their own lives too. Oh, I mean, yeah. Yeah. A it's lot of just would be like, terrifying could, If I'm going of. one way or another, I'd rather not live with it for four months. Me? I don't think I'd be one of those people who went into a shell. I spend a lot of time in a shell, a, 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 a nice, yeah, and in hard, some way it would shell. almost be freeing for it, someone exactly. like you. I would, I would actually be one of the people who would kind of feel a little set free in that regard. I, where all of a sudden, I mean, all of the worries go away. Obviously, you know, the big one is right there, and right. you know it, and it has a date, and that's. I'm not going to pretend like that wouldn't be terrifying. It would be, but. Um, but I, I think there would also be a group of people who, you know, knowing that, you know, bills or collection agencies, you know, the IRS. Especially people that feel you know, particularly lost. Yeah. And like, I don't know what I want to do. Just the next like, adventure. Yeah. And we'll see and, where we go now. Yeah. When, if this is the case, it's like, well, I mean, you know. Here's to hoping the next place <laughs> is a little better. Yeah. <laughs> Let's hope. Yeah. Well, that's all the time. <laughs> well, like <laughs> well, happy Halloween. Uh, Have a great going. week, everybody. <laughs> Try to not step in front of the next bus that drives down the street. Yeah. Do your best. 
<laughs> and uh, you know, hey, just you know, maybe we'll see you next week. Thank maybe you. Maybe the media's coming. <laughs> maybe it's coming. Maybe we won't uh, see you. But maybe we won't you. have to worry about podcasts anymore. Thank you for joining us on our October premiere. <laughs> Kicking it show. off right. For all you slackers who aren't a part of our Patreon. Yeah, you lazy bums. Just so you know, our upcoming episodes are everything. And it's officially October, so I can tell you now, too. Next week, we're going to be sitting down with actress and comedian Jen Kober. Jen Kober. <laughs> Joe's a huge fan, and like legitimately. She's a um, wonderful human being, and God damn, is she funny. She's so fucking funny. You might have seen her pop up this season in American Horror Story. She was in like the first two and Two episodes, three episodes. The following week, we're going to sit down with our witchiest friend, Laura LaRue, who you may remember from our reincarnation episode. And we're going to be talking about witchcraft, the spells, the crystals, the candle magic. How does it help you live your best life? And is there any science behind it? We'll find out. LaRue is a really great name to have if you're talking about like witchcraft, especially if you go down the, the Narlins way. Yeah, LaRue, LaRue, LaRue. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and Laura is also wonderful. And Laura rules. And then after that, we get to hang out with Billy Roach. And naturally, we are once again talking about his favorite fanged nighttime creatures. We're going to be having another vampire episode. Billy... Billy's, Billy's mother. mother. Billy's mother will not be on the Billy's show. Billy's mom will not be here. Um. That was a line from Scream 2, but Billy will be here, and boy, is he a delight. Uh, he we sure had is. We had an absolute blast recording that Werewolves episode. Oh, my God. One of my favorite episodes. If you're listening we've ever to had. this and you haven't heard the uh, Keep It Weird Werewolves episode, it, it is a fun one. Yeah, you should, you should do that. It's a blast. And we'll wrap up the month with our all-time favorite episode, Listener Ghost Stories, with just me and Lauren. Thank you so much for listening to our show and being a part of this with us. Again, if you want to donate, head to patreon.com slash keepitweirdpodcast. If you want a piece of merch right now, you can head to etsy.com slash shop slash keepitweirdpodcast, although that will be changing soon. So keep an eye on our social media at keepitweirdcast on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Joey. What's happening? What's our sign off, baby? Rest in pieces. How was that? No, that's perfect. Yeah, it was Rest good. in pieces. Rest in pieces. And keep it weird.